Hello and welcome to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast looking at vintage cartoons through the eyes of people way older than the intended target audience, but still captivated by these madcap adventures that we loved so much. I'm Jason Thompson. Oh, and I'm Paul Monk. On the ball there, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, Paul. Hello, yes. Nice to be back. Good to have you back. But, uh, yeah, because you recorded um, Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Steve. Before. That's right. I did. And, uh, so what are we doing? What are we doing today? So we're covering a uh, cartoon that I adored when I was probably about eight or nine. Um, <clears throat> it's a it's a Ruby Spears cartoon called Fang Face. Fang Face. Mm-hmm. Now I have to admit I had never heard of Fang Face before um, before you suggested it for this podcast. So <laughs> uh, it was interesting to to view it. So uh, we're coming at this from two very different angles, uh, I believe, because obviously I'm coming at it completely fresh, and you're coming at it revisiting it from your childhood. Did it live up to your uh, your memories of how wonderful it was when you were a child? Uh, no, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get on to that later. <laughs> <laughs> Revisiting your childhood memories can be a double-edged sword sometimes, it can. can't it? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'd never heard of Fang Face, so uh, so why, why don't you tell us a bit about the premise of the of the show? Before okay, we... so um, basically, if you imagine Scooby Doo um, with way more irritating characters, <laughs> <laughs> and Shaggy and Scooby have kind of been merged into one um essentially what it is it's it, it's an absolute ripoff of scooby-doo and and intentionally so apparently um where three teenagers four teenagers one of whom is a werewolf um investigate uh various mysteries um and yes that's it basically yeah, it's uh, it it reminded me quite strongly of scooby-doo obviously and yeah um we also not long done captain caveman with uh, with lucy McCool, uh, yes which is very similar so there seems to be a, a spate of cartoon series around the sort of late 70s yeah yeah so where crimes are being investigated by three random teenagers and some kind of genetic throwback <laughs> <laughs> so this is um this is slightly different though it's, it's a little bit i would say more interesting i'm not sure it is but it's a little bit different um so apparently is it Joe Ruby and Ken Spears? Hopefully I've got that around the right way. Uh, worked for Hanna-Barbera and they worked on Scooby-Doo. But shortly after that, decided they would leave and form their own studio. And this was apparently one of the first cartoons from that studio. And obviously they decided to rip off the template of Scooby-Doo. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, but but the difference being is that with Scooby Doo and Captain Caveman and things like that, I'm guessing Captain Caveman. I haven't seen that for ages, but they they are investigating mysteries that then have some sort of crime at the end, and there's always a bit of a reveal as to who the the villain is. This this actually has supernatural monsters in it, so they're not people dressed up. They are actually genuine monsters, which sort of makes sense when one of your main characters is a werewolf. Well, I would say it certainly does. Yeah, you can't you can't shy away from the supernatural <laughs> if your main character. No, is exactly. Werewolf. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, of the the animation style, yeah, it, it is very 
similar to the the Hanna Barbera cartoons. Yeah, um, and it it kind of it it matches sort of Scooby Doo and Captain Caveman in in a way that at least a couple of the main characters are animated as normal human beings. Yes, with yeah. normal proportions and yeah. normal movement. Uh, nothing yeah. particularly spectacular. And then you have a character or two characters <laughs> who are full-on cartoons with the spinning legs and flapping yes. their arms to fly and being squeezed out of shape and all kind of things like that, which which happened yeah. quite a few times in this cartoon. And the other thing they had in common with, this has in common with Scooby-Doo and Captain Caveman, is that nobody seems remotely phased by the idea of a crime or supernatural event being investigated <laughs> by a bunch of random teenagers in a strange vehicle. Rather no. than say the police or or anybody <laughs> like that, <laughs> yeah, that that is always it. Sort of was always a bit of a problem with Scooby Doo, but it, with Scooby Doo they they had Mystery Inc., which I guess was their little had some sort of reputation for solving mysteries. This lot just seemed to turn up normally at random academics if these two episodes are anything to go by mm. um and just just turn up invite themselves along to some academics place and there's there's normally some mystery going on yeah it's uh it, it's very odd i did enjoy it um uh, recognized a couple of the voice actors as well of course um yeah frank welker alert frank welker alert indeed yes <laughs> he's uh he's on on fine form uh, in this uh, in this particular series, also noted uh, um, Susan Blue is yep. one of them, and she was uh, possibly best known to listeners of this podcast as RC in Transformers the movie and series three, uh, and also noticed Ted Cassidy. Yes, was in there, which is and I suppose his best known role is Lurch in the Adams Family. Yeah, um, I think he does a lot of the monsters. So I think he does a lot of the noises. Yeah. So apparently every 400 years, a baby werewolf is born to the Fangsworth family. Well, if you're going to be named like that, <laughs> then. And uh, Sherman Fangsworth has has become a werewolf. And I mean, he's um, I, I feel quite sorry for him, actually, yeah. because it becomes quite apparent through these episodes that when he does turn into the werewolf fang face and then turns back to Sherman, he has no recollection of being. No. Fangface. No. He doesn't even know who Fangface is, no. um, which leads me to wonder whether these three teenagers he hangs around with all the time are looking after him or just exploiting him, frankly. I think there's a level of exploitation. I think well, you sort of see it in the second episode. Um, OK, so the rules of he, he say so he, at some point, one of his ancestors has been presumably bitten by a werewolf and that has continued down his his bloodline if you want to get all horror film about it um which is which is in keeping with a lot of werewolf films um and what's slightly different is that how easily he can change basically i mean he's sort of a bit tasmanian devil when he becomes Fangface, but they can make him change by showing him a picture of the moon and if he sees a, a the sun or a picture of the sun he turns back to to um fangs again fang, fangsworth um which which is certainly novel but by the second episode it becomes re really clear that that this is something that they exploit yeah they poor very guy they yeah but it, it does also get around the possibility of um 
what otherwise might be a very contrived coincidence that all these mysteries have to be investigated <laughs> around the time of a full moon. <laughs> so we don't need but the it, actual it, moon. It, yeah, it um, just yeah, it just need it just means that that it's more convenient. It cuts out a lot of unnecessary narrative nonsense where you might have to actually think about how we would turn into a werewolf if you can just show show a picture. And it seems like all of the rest of the gang wander around with a picture of a, a moon and sun at all times because they always seem to have one. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, handy thing. I mean, for self-preservation purposes, at least for Pugsy, as we find out in the... Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, yes. Yeah. In these episodes, so the three the three teenagers are Biff and Kim and Pugsy. Yes, and Biff and Kim are the two that are animated as fairly normal people. Yes, Pugsy is um, stereotypical. Somebody's got a sort of New York accent. He's always saying eh, "shut up" and stuff like yeah. that, um, and he's very cartoonish. Um, yeah, as as is um, Sherman Fangsworth as well. Fangs, yeah. as they call him. He, yeah. He's very similar. And apparently the two of them are based on some, so I can't remember what it's called now, um, but some sort of radio show, New York radio show, where um, these two particular characters talk like that, apparently. Uh, but us not being American and not being from the 1960s or whatever, we, we wouldn't be aware of that. We would not be aware of that, no. So, but there we go. Hello. Hello, Nala. <laughs> it, almost getting to the point where it wouldn't be an episode of Robots in Your Eyes without an appearance by Nala. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear. Anyway, so, yeah, so we, we had a look at the first two episodes of uh, of Fang Face. And, we did. Uh, yeah, as I said, I, I quite enjoyed them. Uh, they did, I mean, the first episode is called A Heap of Trouble. Yep. And it started off, I mean, I did bang my head on the table uh, within the first 30 <laughs> seconds because we start off in the science department of the state university because they never like to be too specific about their location. No. So it's always the state university yep. or something like that. Um, and we find a bunch of scientists in a laboratory and we know they're scientists because they're all wearing white coats. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... Uh, as regular listeners will know, a particular bugbear of mine and the cartoon shorthand, <laughs> especially as these guys appear to be computer scientists. So there is no yes. reason whatsoever for them to have white coats. <laughs> no. Um, and also, I mean, for any actual scientists listening, I'm sure you'll share my incredulity that this scientist is delighted that after four months, <laughs> he's finally ready. I mean, that's that's remarkably quick work for any kind of major scientific breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was simpler back then. It wasn't as much science. It wasn't as complicated. <laughs> simpler times. Not as much has been discovered. So, no. Well, his invention does seem to be a big box with a couple of tape reels and some flashing lights. It does, it, yeah. Um, but it is soon smashed by a giant hulking creature who's definitely not the incredible hulk in any way shape <laughs> or form no um because <laughs> he's blue for starters uh and he he smashes up the machine and it's all very what's going on yep well apparently these teenagers have been called in by professor boyd to investigate this because yeah. again why would you get the police involved with 
(laughs) and they're just going to go and stay at his house yeah as as you do yeah and and he has a massive great big house as well he does. I don't know what kind of scientist he is, but he is not earning scientist pay if he's living no. in that house. <laughs> he's probably selling secrets to the Russians on the side. <laughs> that would explain it. Yeah. That, that's, it yeah. Um, but everyone thinks he could be next because they're targeting all the professors. And they do this wonderful bit of exposition at the beginning where they say, what about, oh, there's Professor Arnos, but this heap creature, They've this, the creature is apparently called the heap. Yeah, I I don't know why. No, no, not at all. Um, hasn't bothered Professor Arnos. Gosh, <laughs> I wonder who could be behind all this. Then. <laughs> uh, but they've decided they're going to set an elaborate trap in the basement. And I have absolutely no idea how that thing is supposed to work. It's just no. weird... where, where did they get all those items from? Because <laughs> I, was, I was having had a brief look. You don't don't see it that detail but it's got a kitchen sink there's hundreds of different pipes and 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 various other ridiculous things that they just wouldn't have lying around yeah and all come back to the bathtub at the end doesn't it yeah now the mystery ink people and scooby i'm going to keep comparing this to scooby-doo sorry um they they at least have a van so they could fit some of this stuff in there these guys have some weird kind of uh like dune buggy thing where there's no chance of fitting any equipment in there so i can only assume they've just ripped out loads even even the professor's got loads of this stuff lying around and and they're just really good at setting their traps or or they've just ripped like the the sink and bathroom suite out of the professor's bathroom (laughs) maybe he's a plumber on the side maybe that's how he's financing maybe Maybe, yeah things but But it it uh... is very silly and I, I, there's there's no obvious way that you could work out how that would work. No, none at all. Um, but uh, when when the heap attacks, they show Fangsworth a picture of the moon, and there we've got Fang face. Yeah. And uh, and we immediately find out that the team dynamic needs a bit of work here, because every time Fang face appears, he goes for Pugsy. It's when food's mentioned, apparently. Well, he always goes for him anyway, but anytime food is mentioned or any food he actually, word he, he actually is swallows heard, and puts him in his mouth. Yeah. Oh no! Every time Fangface hears or sees food, he eats Pugsy. And you get Pugsy in Fangface's mouth, and the only time way to get him out is to rub his foot, apparently. <laughs> yeah. At which point he vomits Pugsy back up, who seems none the worse for wear, <laughs> uh, apologizes and gets on with actually chasing the villain which is what he's supposed to be doing and um it, it doesn't quite go to plan because he ends up in the trap with water pouring out of his ears yes how is that trap connected to water that's what i want to know oh. <laughs> it's cartoon logic you need to not think about it that's that's i mean this is a cartoon where where, where well if you don't if you think about it too hard the water is coming out of his ears where's it yeah. going in well yes <laughs> because this has all gone badly wrong the heap has captured professor boyd and taken him to a secret entrance in the side of a mountain yes and underneath is a secret laboratory with a cell you know where else Uh, and then he uses he throws heat he throws boyd into a cell and then he uses some kind of energy ray to turn himself back into arnos complete with white lab coat yeah yeah It, it transforms all the clothes that's pretty good 
Yeah. And apparently his idea is to transform the entire faculty into monsters <laughs> because they laughed at his experiments. <laughs> why? Why And why is he smashing up everyone else's invention and capturing the scientists rather than just doing what he said he was going to do? It's just... <laughs> he could just turn up with the, the ray thing, couldn't he, and just shoot them and turn them into something. doesn't need to go for this elaborate kidnapping them, luring them to certain places and then sticking them in a cell. But yeah. I guess he has that villainous thing of wanting to gloat. Probably. I mean, he's turning himself into that monster repeatedly can't be good for his mental health. No. So, well, of course, he's also left tracks for them to fo- for the gang to follow and they find Obviously. the secret entrance in the mountainside, but we don't see how they get in. They're just suddenly... <laughs> they go, oh, I wonder if there's uh, some sort of secret entrance in that mountain. And then it comes to them walking into the, the through an entrance in the mountain saying, luckily we found that secret entrance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't need to explain that. It's just, it's just, they just find it. We've only got twenty minutes to tell this story. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and here we have the typical the team split up. Yeah, and it seems based on these episodes, it seems they always split up. Biff and Kim go one way, and yeah. Pugsy and Fangface go the other. If I was Pugsy, I would not want to go with Fangface. No, especially having already been eaten once in this episode. <laughs> But then, then Biff and Kim on they boyfriend or girl and girlfriend. If they or, are, it's very or, subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they're meant to be. Right. Which um which might explain why they want to go off together. It might. It doesn't do them any good this time because they get shut in the cell, having found Professor Boyd trying to free him and they yeah. get shoved in. There's that convenient thing, isn't there, where where the key is conveniently hanging up right next to the cell. Yes, <laughs> because where else would you keep the key? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they un- unlock the door. Instead of actually taking him out, they end up talking to him for about <laughs> five or ten minutes. And then <laughs> Professor Arnos comes in and just pushes them into the cell and locks them locks them up. Yeah. And then, of course, Kim does the classic accidentally giving away that there are others in the group. Yeah. So Arnos just goes and turns himself into the heap and he finds... Fangface and Pugsy in the tunnel, uh, and Fangface and Pugsy run away. Yeah, and then there's a really weird bit in this episode because it seems to be a completely unrelated bit where we're moving through a forest while we hear Fangface and Pugsy talking. Yeah, yeah. and then we cut back to the tunnel, and then we cut back to this forest <laughs> and back to the tunnel, <laughs> and it turns out that this tunnel is supposed to be underneath the forest, and they yeah. come up in a restaurant. That's that's bonkers. <laughs> Again, more cartoon logic. Why would there be this tunnel coming up into a restaurant? And more importantly, because what happens is that somebody's being served their dinner and, and in in one of those silver service platter things that nobody ever uses and no restaurants ever use. And obviously they do the reveal and then it's is it Pugsy? It's Pugsy's head yeah. through the middle of the platter. So not only is this tunnel underneath a restaurant directly underneath the table but there's also a hole in the bottom of the table <laughs> and this platter they've brought out also has a hole in it yeah so i'm not really sure what they were serving in that no it's, it's, bizarre. No, it's weird it's very very weird pugsy <laughs> is about to run off when he realizes that they're in a restaurant and if fang face sees the food he'll just yep. pugsy so he goes and blindfolds him yeah and they end up in the kitchen fang face apparently washing up 
Yeah. And using Pugsy as a dishcloth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's it's, it's now, Face is now in um, Chef White's as well. Well, you've got to blend in because obviously you, you may be a werewolf with a single huge fang sticking out your face, <laughs> but no one will notice you if you're wearing the same clothes as everybody else in the kitchen because that's completely inconspicuous. Yeah, but it, I mean, this is a, again another ripoff of the the whole um, Scooby and Shaggy doing the doing the sort of daft bit with the monster, um, where they they dress up and mm. often Scooby pretends to be a woman, which is just weird. Yeah, but yes, so it's, it's, it's sort of like it's, it's a real copy of that, it um, is, um, but not quite as good. Yeah, and I did I did quite like it where Fang, there's a bit where Fang Face is is still doing some drying up, and he he goes to get like a cloth to dry up with, and it's the 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 heap's arm or hand, and he's he's using that to to dry up with. Yes, I thought that that was quite good. <clears throat> yeah, that was quite fun. Um, well, he goes racing after the heap, but there happens to be a box of sunshine corn just outside. Yep. So the picture of the sun <laughs> on the box is enough to turn him back into Sherman Fangs yep. Fangsworth. Um, and that's no good. So they run away and they end up in a trash can rolling down the road. Why not? Even more amazingly, it turns out that they can drive this trash can because they end up <laughs> back to the cave. Yeah. Although Sherman does point out that it took them so long because he doesn't actually know how to drive a trash can. It only took us an hour to get back here. Hey, can I help it if I took a wrong turn? I don't know how to drive a trash can, you know. All right, forget it. Um, and in order to find the heap, they need somebody with uh, animal abilities, tracking and things like that. And Sherman yeah. asks where they're going to get one. And Pugsy pulls out a picture of the moon. Yeah, obviously. See, this is the exploitation starting. Yeah, so they only keep him around because he's just useful. He's useful. That's it. Although that's debatable, really. Well, <laughs> I mean, they do manage to tiptoe over to the cage where all the scientists are yeah. in the very, very classic cartoon tiptoe with <laughs> on their on their tip. Yeah. Um, but Fangface rips the door off, but Heap gets away with the machine, having heard the commotion and. Fangface ends up stuck in the cage. Yeah. And I did quite enjoy the gag with the cage door. I love this bit. I thought that was really good. Um, he's, he's like, oh, how am I going to get out? Oh, I know. I'll, he bends the bars, races out and gets the key. Then he goes back in, straightens the bars up and <laughs> unlocks the door to get out. Which, is... <laughs> which, uh, which I did laugh at. That was good. Yeah. Well, the heap has got away with his transmogrification ray thing and he needs a central transmitter. And conveniently, there is a college radio station right in the middle of the campus. So so, so this this is, I mean, again, he hasn't quite thought this through because why wouldn't you just build that as part of the machine? Well, yeah. And why does he need to climb up the antenna? Surely... The stuff that works in the antenna is is in the building. You just plug things <laughs> in at the bottom, don't you? No, well, well, I think I think maybe he's just going to mount the, the the ray on the top and just just blast people from up there. <laughs> maybe it's, he doesn't actually need the the radio equipment at all. Maybe. Well, Fangface and Pugsy go to the roof to get the heap, and apparently, I mean, this this was weird, and I didn't really 
follow this at all, but it happened in the second episode as well. So I guess it's a regular thing. Apparently, if Fang Face sees a mirror, he goes yep. a bit bananas. Yeah. It doesn't so actually seem to make a huge amount of difference to what he's actually mm. doing. It's just a very long sequence of him jumping up and down and spinning around on the floor and howling he do, it, and growling. He, do, and... he does chase his tail, which I think is quite a nice little touch. Yeah. If you own a dog, that dogs quite often do that. But yes, he gets into a... It, it turns him into a sort of berserker rage, doesn't it? It for, does. and he's... For at least a minute or two. Yeah. Well, he's climbing up the antenna after the heap. The heap just jumps off. <laughs> Fangface flies down by flapping yeah. his arms, which is, just looks so weird. <laughs> and uh, and then they go down in the lift and they end up running with their feet sticking out of the bottom of the lift car. Yes. It seems that this university has a rocket research area. Yeah. With live rockets. Because <laughs> yeah. they end up on a rocket, which promptly takes off. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're sort of, they're sort of trying to, throw a bit of everything at this aren't they for they first are, episode they're, they're just they're throwing everything uh, and of course we get the classic cartoon physics in that pugsy doesn't realize that he's on a rocket he hasn't noticed the tremendous acceleration somehow <laughs> uh, runs out of the lift doors in midair yeah and doesn't fall but he does drop the machine yeah um which is caught in the car by kim and biff who are driving on the ground underneath so obviously because obviously they're driving at the exact same speed the rocket's traveling at yes um and i don't even want to go into the physics of the no. momentum of that thing for no, i'm just thinking <laughs> landing in the car and just being yeah. caught by somebody yes i think that would have totaled the car but you know physics is gone for a burden in this episode because the lift car falls off apparently they've done a complete circuit because they're back where they started and the lift car ends up balancing on top of the radio mast and they slide out of the doors and they end up all hanging in a chain with Fangface's feet hooked over the edge of the lift car. Yeah. And, th and then Biff does something which is actually quite useful because apparently he's in common with all these cartoons. He's taken one look at this weird machine of the professors and figured out how it works. Yes. Uh, presumably it has a very clearly marked switch that says. It probably just says on and off. On and off. Yeah. Mm. But he zaps the heap so he turns back into Professor Arnos and then he'll be light enough for Fangface to pull them up. Yeah. Let's not go into conservation. This <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> is like a, this must be, watching this must have been your, your nightmare in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, when, when, I mean, I do, I do point out these, these bits where physics goes for a Burton, but when you're talking about a, cartoon where the main exactly werewolf i mean you've got to give it you've got to give it some it's not trying to be realistic so no i i just i just enjoy pointing them out because it's it's fun really well, if it, i mean if it was realistic Fangface would have ripped all of their <laughs> the other team apart wouldn't he well yes it, it would it would be um it'd be way more horrific yeah it'd be, it'd be horrendous <laughs> absolutely <laughs> terrible but he pulls them up and arnos is taken away in a police van yeah, now the teenagers have done the hard work. This is why the police don't get involved with it. So why no. should we? Why should we bother? We've got these guys. We'll let them put themselves at risk, um, and then we'll yeah. come and mop up afterwards. Yeah, we're just going to arrest the little old, a little old academic. As soon as there's a big monster thing around, we're we we yeah, we'll just we'll just stay at the police station. We're fine. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, they're all. And then, of course, got the final scene with, uh, I think Kim says, oh, you can't let us take all the credit. Oh, no, I said lettuce. <laughs> I mean, that's that's stretching the food word. It is a bit. bit. Yeah. Um, but immediately, Fangface makes a pugsy sandwich because he apparently has the ability to pull two giant slices of bread out of thin air. Yep. Maybe they used Professor Arnold's transmogrification ray or whatever it was. Maybe, yeah. If it, if it turns a man to a monster, maybe it will turn this loaf of bread into a giant size. Maybe he's accidentally created something that that is is super important to the future of mankind, and 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 you know actually could could end up feeding the hungry of the world and yeah, curing lots of other problems. It could be fantastic. Of course, we'll never see it again. No. Um, well, Pugsy has a, a defence against Fangface's appetite by showing a picture of the sun. And then, yeah, oh, yes, we'll chase him off into the distance, shouting obscenities at him the whole way, and everyone else will laugh, and, <laughs> oh, isn't that nice? Um, and there we go. That's that's the end of the first episode of yeah. Fangface. And I have to say I quite enjoyed it. It, it was silly, and they threw everything but the kitchen sink, well, including the kitchen sink. Yeah, there was a kitchen plan. sink. Yeah, there was a kitchen sink. So, um, but considering it was a twenty-two minute episode of a cartoon series, there was a hell of a lot in it. Yeah, um, it, it whipped along at quite a pace. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that, and so that's the first time I'd ever seen Fangface. So. Um, yeah so that was that was fun how did you uh how did you find it going back to the first episode okay so when i've watched the first episode i i've I came away from it feeling very just irritated by it <laughs> i found all of the teenagers really irritating i found pugsy and um and and fangs and fang face really irritating <laughs> uh and and yeah it was just it just wasn't wasn't that good um i didn't think but then, then i i did, it did leave it a little while and we watched watched it watched it again and actually enjoyed it a lot more and and the second episode which we'll get into in a bit um i, I think i enjoyed it even more i think that was was, was better i wonder i wonder if the fact that you found the teenagers irritating is just a function of the fact that we're a bit older now maybe maybe <laughs> i think we're predisposed to find teenagers irritating now aren't we well well that's yeah that's true um yeah no i just i just didn't um find any of them particularly likable so mm. um i i did I find Pace's vocal mannerisms quite ooh, irritating ooh, ooh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh for god's sake <laughs> that, that, that got a bit wearing yeah yeah no problem bud we'll just follow us yeah shut up but it's interesting you said when you came back to watch it the second time you enjoyed it a lot more and i think that um i think that can really help if you go back to something you've seen before you, a lot of your expectations and things are, are different when you've yeah. seen it before and you can see things in it that you didn't maybe notice the first time round. yeah but i think yeah, it's exactly. always worth revisiting um, well I, th I think as well that they, this i absolutely love this cartoon um when i when i was in middle school and it was just yeah it, it 
I, I was trying to manage my expectations <laughs> because it couldn't possibly be that good. But even so, I, I think it was just revisiting something and seeing all the flaws um, in it and concentrating a bit too much on those. Obviously, the second time I watched it, it was, yeah, okay, I, I, I accept that it, there's a lot of wrong with it, but it's actually, let's just go with it and not not be too too hung up on how much I loved it as a kid. Yeah, take it, take it for what it is. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I, I have found yeah revisiting cartoons that you used to enjoy or anything when you used to enjoy when you were much younger is, is sometimes it's great and you think actually, yeah. Sometimes you look at it and actually this is even better than I remember it because I can see in a different all the different levels and things that it's working on. And sometimes you look at it and you think, yeah, this was aimed for lowest common denominator and it's <laughs> crap. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's looking at it with a more mature perspective nope they haven't put any extra levels in there's no substance no. it's just rubbish um, yeah. and uh i think fang face falls into the category of they haven't put any you know it's not working on multiple levels it's not trying to be anything more sophisticated than it comes across no. just but, but then, a bit of silly but then, fun really ripping off yeah another popular cartoon series but but you know none of those cartoon series are that era really had any extra effort put into them in that sense or that that particular type no um so so i think it's i think it's it was there were lots of kind of fairly standard cartoon tropes in there which weren't weren't too bad um yeah there's definitely a few i mean pugsy being wrung out like a dishcloth is uh (laughs) yeah Mm. And, and it kind of i think it um did something a bit different with the monsters in that the monsters are genuine you said earlier on that it was a Hulk thing. Well, obviously, Heap and Hulk maybe uh, maybe taking some inspiration from there. Let's see, it's a scientist who came comes up with some sort of ray. That, yeah, a uh, scientist who turns into um, yeah. a giant hulking great monster who's a he's, particular colour and has ripped shorts. And has uh, uh, whose name begins with H and has four letters. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. so but i but that that's quite that's quite a nice thing and and i think um i think it does a lot of that kind of riffing on old uh sort of sci-fi horror-y comic-y sort of stuff um yeah definitely yeah there's, there's, there's definitely a why a lot of these things become cliched if you like yeah they're they're popular and they're straightforward and they work and everyone recognizes them you know that the, the heat going up the 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 radio uh mast is is classic king kong isn't it oh yeah absolutely i mean the fact that it only lasted about half a second but even so it's a nod to that i would think yeah definitely i mean they, they did it all the time i mean we've had we've already had a couple of times we've mentioned on transformers they've referenced king kong several times in yeah some of the episodes and Frankenstein and and yeah classic plus plus as well that I think the the premise of the cartoon with one of the characters being a werewolf um in the I think early 60s there was a whole um series of quite bad but quite entertaining um sort of cheap teenage horror movies made in the states uh, and one of them was they were always like I was a teenage something. I was a teenage Frankenstein is one of them, I think. <laughs> but there was one called I was a teenage werewolf, which I think has Michael Landon as the main character. 
from Highway to Heaven, if you remember that, and Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, right. Uh, um, so he, uh, and he's just, yeah, it's it's a, a beach party film with a gang of kids and one of them's a werewolf. So it's, it, it, it's complete in the same way, I guess, Scooby-Doo rips off spooky stuff. This was ripping off some other sort of sci-fi daft horror films of the 60s 50s and 60s so yeah why not so it's a field Um, rife for exploration and exploitation i would say so and they continue with that in the next episode so yeah so let's carry on to the next episode shall we yeah So the next episode is called A Creep from the Deep. Uh, they 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 quite like some of their uh, rhyming titles I've noticed in some of these cartoons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, don't yeah. don't worry if it doesn't have much to do with the actual <laughs> <laughs> actual story. This this sort of does, I suppose. But yeah. And we're at the Museum of Mexico, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually in Mexico, isn't it? As as yeah, working. they are actually in Mexico. There's a bit, bit of globe trotting going on in this. Uh, yeah, in this cartoon. Uh, would you have the a... Would you have the Museum of Mexico in Mexico? I suppose you would. I don't know. We've got the British Museum. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah, in the in the Museum of Mexico, uh, one Doctor Melendez has discovered the ancient tablet of Molezuma, which reveals the location of the Molezuma treasure. But there's also a curse of the mummy of Molizuma. Yep. Blimey. <laughs> <laughs> Getting complicated already. Well, they, they couldn't obviously work out how to get them to Egypt. So they just thought, well, we'll just have a mummy in in Mexico. Well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently there's this chap called Grula, and he has two henchmen. And you know that Grula is a man up to no good because he's got an eye patch. Yep. Uh, and he and his henchmen are wearing green wetsuits. I think that's all we ever see them in in this episode. They're an, obviously no, that, Gr- that's the animation model for the bad guys. <laughs> I mean, Grula Grula's seen out uh, without his wet wetsuit at some point. Um, obviously, with other clothes on. Not mm. obviously. But, uh, yeah, the henchmen. I, 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 I wasn't sure, but when you see them, they're coming into the museum. Are they wearing flippers? It thought it looked like they were wearing flippers. Yeah, they, they've got the full wetsuit flippers. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't know if you've ever tried walking on solid ground with flippers, it's, <laughs> it's I can not... honestly say I haven't. No, it's I can honestly not say easy. I've never worn flippers at all. I am not remotely aquatic. No. <laughs> it, it, it's not easy. So you think they would have gone, okay, let's let's just remove the flippers, lads. Come on. <laughs> Presumably, this museum is very, very close to the shore. Yeah. <laughs> Since they seem to have decided that wetsuits are the way to infiltrate the museum. <laughs> uh, and they have a convenient canister of sleep gas. Yeah. To knock out the guys, and they take the ancient tablet of Molezuma. Yep. Yes, you would. Meanwhile, the teenagers are flying to Pelagroso Island to help Dr. Melendez. In a seaplane. Where the hell did they get a seaplane? <laughs> I guess maybe Biff or Kim, perhaps one of their parents, are just super rich. I, yeah. That's but that, although maybe that's another reason why they keep um, 
Sherman Fangsworth rap because he's got quite a posh sounding name. So maybe he's like that's maybe true. Maybe he's the one with all super the wealthy. <laughs> well, he gives us a bit of uh, a bit of exposition about this curse of the the mummy of Molizuma. Apparently, the mummy comes to life and goes berserk if you go near the treasure. Yeah. Um, but they've been asked to help find the stolen tablet. And when a friend asks you to help find a stolen tablet, you, <laughs> you've got to go. It's another academic again. Yeah. And bizarrely, Fangsworth appears to have a radar dish on his head. Yeah. He takes off because he always wears a backwards baseball cap in both Fangsworth and Fangface mode. He's always got yeah. this backwards baseball cap on. And he takes it off and he's got a radar dish on his head. But, but... I don't know. And, I like uh, the way he, he he sort of picks a set up a signal on it, and he's going beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, boing, 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 boing. Radar contact, boing, boing. Ooh, ooh, look, we're being followed. The other thing as well with that plane, there's no way the inside of that plane is fits into that actual plane. <laughs> so when you see the the plane from the outside, it's just a normal like Cessna sized plane. And then when they're inside it, it's huge. It's like a 747. Yeah. Tons of room. Yeah, they 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 tend to be a little bit more cramped. Yeah. But uh, a couple of jets are attacking again with the guys in wetsuits. Yep. Yeah, because you know. And of course, this this is where you again switch off your brain because a couple of jets against a seaplane is no contest. No. Uh, they're trying to drive them into the sea. And uh, I, was, sea I was slightly distracted by the fact that Kim utters the expletive Terwillikers. Yeah. Which just made me think of Sideshow Bob. <laughs> but also trying to force a seaplane down into the sea <laughs> is perhaps a bit misguided. I, yeah, it's um, it's designed to land on the sea. So, yeah, yeah probably yeah. okay. Uh, but uh, we do have a, a stunning coincidence. This one actually does take place during a full moon because the moon yeah. comes out from behind the clouds and there's Fangface yeah. who immediately attacks Pugsy. Again, this team dynamic needs a lot of work. <laughs> and somehow or other, they've ended up on top of the jets because Fangface jumps out of the plane and lands on one of the jets. Yeah. So when, when did they regain their altitude and get, ab get above these things? I don't uh, know. Who knows? And also, the other, the other thing as well, when he turns into Fangface, they all seem super surprised that he's turned into Fangface, even though they're flying at night. <laughs> they're flying at night with a full moon and he's a werewolf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they all look super shocked when he turns into Fangface. <laughs> Gosh, who saw this coming? Yeah. Like maybe we should have flown here during the day. Maybe, yeah. It's like it's like Captain Caveman. A lot of that seemed to happen at night for no good reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so he he. The, the, so this this ravenous slavering werewolf lands on the canopy of the jet and <laughs> sticks his tongue out at the pilots, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they decide to shake him off. And now they've switched places again because they shake him yeah. off and he falls down onto the seaplane, which was above them earlier. At, oh, God. <laughs> Don't think about it. Don't think about it too much, no. Um, he's not the sharpest tool in the box because he immediately tries to shake the seaplane apart before he realises that it's actually his friends on it. Yeah. 
Um, and then they fly into some cloud and conveniently that's it. They've lost the jets. Yeah. Cause you know, fighter jets aren't equipped with any kind <laughs> of radar or anything that could see through a cloud. Um, <laughs> no, but then maybe Gruler, perhaps he got them secondhand or something and they're a bit, they're not the best fighter jets. Not the best fighter jets. Now that would explain why they just tried to drive them into the sea instead of. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, but, yeah. And then they're on the island with Dr. Melendez and Mr. Lewis, who is our classic Mexican chap. Um, and we know he's from Mexico because he speaks with the, with the cartoony Mexican accent. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and. No. Um, uh, and again, this is uh, what we said before. Nobody seems remotely phased by the fact that there's three teenagers and a werewolf talking about. <laughs> yes, because he hasn't changed back, has he? No. <laughs> So he obviously must know that he's a werewolf, or, or I don't know. Just, they they just obviously called bothered. ahead and said, "Yeah, we'll come." By the way, one of us is a werewolf. Don't be, <laughs> yeah. don't be too alarmed. Um, yeah, he's all right. Don't mention food. Um, yeah, <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> Apparently, an ancient ship sank two thousand years ago with the treasure and the mummy, and so they're going to set a trap for Grula. Meanwhile, of course, they're staying with the professor because yeah. you know. They, he's they probably got a giant house or something so yeah uh, and then we have another one of those fang face monster comedy routines yeah where gruler's plan is to drop a snake into their bedroom this this is this is kind of it's going a bit bond isn't it at this point yeah it's like a bond villain thing to do it's it, a it's... bond villain thing to do and actually um really quite awful if you think through the possible consequences of it so yeah. um, but of course this is a cartoon with a werewolf in it so instead of uh causing any problems fang face just picks up the snake and brushes his teeth with it yeah and hangs his towel on it and then he realizes that there's a snake in the bathroom and uh he threatens to stick him in that bottle of sun slick hair oil oh yeah it's got a picture of the sun on it so he goes yeah. back to normal <laughs> but never mind biff has a handy picture of the moon and turns him back yeah. into fang face yeah this is what i mean the exploitation side of it's starting to come out now even more isn't it it very much they're all at a moment's notice they've got a picture of like, oh we need fang face there we go yeah. right sorted yeah. yeah and he deals with the snake because they're in mexico he deals with the snake by dropping a sombrero on it <laughs> That snake is weird as well because uh, again, Gruler comes up with like a he's got a fairly smallish box or something that he tips the snake in through the window, and and then the snake suddenly becomes really big and really long. Yeah, that's a, a, a massive expanding snake. Yeah, but never mind. Well, they're all going to dive down into the sea to set the trap for Gruler, and Pugsy has the idea of using a steel cage looks like yeah. a shark cage yeah but the apparently the treasure is in a cave which is blocked by a sunken ship so they're going to have to check every portal to try and find the cave entrance <laughs> but, they're quite they're quite good at finding hidden entrances though remember they are although this particular method is perhaps <laughs> one of the more bizarre because um, they're underwater they're in the galley of the sunken ship and they see some corn at which point, of course, Fangface <laughs> and 
So they rub his foot to get him to spit Pugsy out. He spits Pugsy out and he flies out through one of the portholes and straight into the cave entrance and lands in the treasure chest. Brilliant. Which at this point is big enough for him to sit in. Remember that? (laughs) That will become significant later. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, he ends up with a necklace with an emblem of the sun on it and Fangface sees it and turns back into Fangsworth. And I mean, that's got to be traumatic. Well, I was thinking that that must be it. I thought the same thing that that's horrific because he he doesn't he doesn't know why he's there and he's underwater in a, in a, in a scuba diving gear. He's in a case underwater with no recollection just, of how yeah. he got there. I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, that's 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 again, it's another that's, if you if you did that realistically, that would be some sort of horrific um, sort of horror movie thing again yeah but uh, but we know it's not all that serious because they immediately get netted by grueler and his henchmen and kim complains it wasn't it's not fair because they weren't ready yes (laughs) i don't think you quite realize who you're dealing with here dear (laughs) (laughs) but fangsworth rescues them by shutting them in the nearest safe place which happens to be the cage they were going to use as a trap (laughs) and this is where his lack of memory causes the whole plan to because he doesn't remember it was a trap because he was when they discussed the trap yeah yeah all he knows is he's underwater and there's a cage where they'll be safe yeah so yeah and and they they tell him off they complain at him it's like (laughs) you must know that he doesn't know what's going on yeah but Gruner escapes with the treasure and the mummy awakens. Hooray, it's it's been it's been given that the, the monster appears straight away in the first one, it's been quite a long time before the monster finally makes its appearance. Although yeah. I guess we have had a, a, a snake. We've had a snake. Yeah, it's not quite the same. Not quite. Not quite. Well, it turns out to be a blessing in disguise because the mummy rips the cage open and uh, Fangsworth pulls them up in the net and the mummy comes onto the shore and they have to find and replace the treasure. Yep. But in order to find it, they need Fangface and Fangsworth doesn't know who Fangface is. No. told him at any point. No. So that's, that's what I thought as well. They've all been hanging around together. This is why I think... It's almost, it's almost like it's quite uncomfortable, isn't it? It's almost like there's this, um, this, this, <laughs> this sort of um, person who, who, who's not quite with it, who they just massively exploit. Because why wouldn't you tell him that he's a werewolf and that this happens? And then he, that would be much better because he would know. Oh, that must have happened again, or, or whatever. But they don't, and that's just yes, yeah. this this poor innocent kid who, who's just been exploited by by his so called friends. It's, it's it's horrible. It is, yeah. They could at least tell him yeah. what goes on. Um, but no, he's. I mean, he's going to be so messed up. <laughs> so messed. It's up. quite interesting because this. Um, diverging slightly they, they they did a second series of this which um it only ran for one season and then they did a second season which was um slightly different um where they introduced his cousin or nephew or something who's a little who's a little baby a little toddler 
Um, and he also is a werewolf and turns into a fangpus, his name is, which a werewolf is a type of dog, so I don't quite understand the 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 puss bit. But anyway, he was so and and again the the two of them, the little baby doesn't know he turns into a werewolf. And actually when when Fangsworth is Fangsworth and the other kid is Fangpus, he's completely scared by him. And the the two of them don't know <laughs> That they're werewolves or that they 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 change into it so it, yeah so it, it carries on the exploitation gets worse because they start in- exploiting a a tiny uh kid oh dear oh dear this is terrible get the, yeah uh, get the social services involved it is it's, it's awful well they they they've u- they're using fang face because fang face has super werewolf eyesight so he's on a hang glider <laughs> being towed behind a speedboat and they find the yacht that Gruler is using as his as his HQ, and um, they stop the boat. I think physics would like a word again. <laughs> it, it screeches to a halt like a car on dry land. Fangface, what's that? Falls into the boat, doesn't get catapulted forward or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but they board the yacht and find that Gruler is getting ready to leave. So they split up. And as usual, it's Pugsy with Fangface. Yeah. And Kim and Biff on their own. And uh, Pugsy tries to stop Fangface seeing himself in the mirror so he doesn't go bananas and ruin everything. But he fails and Fangface goes bananas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dives into an air duct but this turns out to lead them straight to the henchman who has the treasure yeah convenient they fall in on top of him grab the treasure and run off with it the mummy is approaching and fangface tosses him the treasure but this does not go according to plan it bounces off the tarpaulin that's covering the lifeboat and ends up back in gruler's hands and they shoot off in a speedboat. Yep. And here we have the classic comedy trope of the good guys are chasing around in the speedboat and the monster is on the speedboat and everyone else is so focused on where they're going that Fangface is trying to tell Pugsy, he's like, um, Pugsy, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, you need to look here. And he's like, no, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up. There's some interesting uh, steering of the boats in this sequence as well. There's a nice <laughs> overhead shot of them winding all over the place and yeah again yeah. i don't think you can steer steer boats quite that quickly wouldn't have thought so no um we do get a fair bit of fourth wall breaking in this uh in this cartoon as well every so often fang face will turn to the audience and say something and in this case he looks and he's like well i tried to warn him yep you gotta like that and they end up with their speedboat zooming over the land because they're not paying attention to where they're going throws the mummy clear flies in front of Gruler, who turns sharply, crashes and gets trapped in the wreckage. Which allows them to take the treasure, which is now in a chest that is small enough for them to carry, considering we first saw it and it was big enough to encompass Pugsy. It's now small enough to carry. And uh, maybe, maybe though, Gruler's moved it into a smaller chest. Maybe. So that they can fit it on the speedboat. Yeah, or he's just, he's just kind of packed it a bit 
maybe it wasn't it was quite spacious the other chest so put it in a smaller one so it doesn't <laughs> take up as much room on the speedboat perhaps well they give back the treasure to the mummy well fangface gives back the treasure to the mummy well he trips over and throws the treasure <laughs> all over the mummy yeah um and the mummy very obligingly stands there while he takes it all off puts it back in the tre- chest and hands it over <laughs> And the mummy just calmly walks off because the curse of the mummy is that he just wants the treasure back. Yeah. So off he goes. That's 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 a nice moment. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I quite like that as well. That was a uh, a good one. He's he's, he's misunderstood. You know? Yeah. He doesn't wish anyone any harm. He just wants his treasure back. Yeah. And it seems that at some point Biff and Kim have found the tablet as well, so they give that back to uh, yep. to the professor. And uh, Fangface decides to pull a trick on Pugsy by dressing up as a mummy. He's wrapped himself in bandages. But Pugsy just shows him a picture of the sun. He turns back into Fangsworth and does no idea what's going on or why he's all wrapped up. No, exactly. Another trauma. Another thing to add to his trauma. Yeah. Although possibly this next bit explains why they never bothered telling him because he says, tell us, tell me what happened. I'll believe you. I'll believe anything. And they tell him what happened. He says, I don't believe you. <laughs> so... <laughs> Tell me, I'll believe you. I'll believe every single word. I promise. Okay, you saved the whole island from the mummy of Molazuma. You flipped. I don't believe a word. Not a single word. You hear? Not a word. Not a syllable. Uh, there we go. That was the end of the creep from the deep. Yeah. Uh, I rather enjoyed that one. I thought that one was better. Yeah. I thought it was. Uh, Its it, plot was slightly more cohesive and. I, I like the mummy. The mummy was genuinely good, I thought. And it, mm. it looked good. And the bit where it's wandering around, it's got all the seaweed draped over its arms. I thought, yeah, that, that's that's not bad. That looks that looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad at all. Um, and again, it's taking a kind of a, a, a cursed treasure with, with a mummy guarding it as and then and then just going, yeah, we're just gonna put it underwater, because you know that's because that's a sort of crazy B movie thing, isn't it? Yeah. Take something like that, underwater mummy. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, the animation. Even though that makes no sense. No, and it makes no sense whatsoever. The animation in these has been quite good, actually. The, I mean, it's yeah. obviously very stylized. The, yeah. The characters and everything, very, very basic facial features and body yeah. types and things. And of course, they always wear the same clothes. Yes. <clears throat> um, I mean, we noticed we noticed that in Captain Caveman when the uh, the opening credits show them discovering Captain Caveman frozen in a block of Arctic ice, and they've gone into this Arctic cave <laughs> in their mini skirts and go go boots. Obviously, things. So yeah, so the teenagers here always wear the same clothes. Uh, the henchmen, the evil henchmen, are always in wetsuits. Whatever they're doing, they're in wetsuits. Yeah. So yeah, it's all uh, it's all good fun, and the the backgrounds are pretty good. I thought. Um, yeah yeah they're all they're, they're the very recognizable style of that yeah period. so yeah I, I really enjoyed that one as you say it's got a more cohesive plot it's straightforward enough the bad guy wants the treasure and the mummy doesn't want him to have the treasure yeah um, and it's it, it, it's a bit more of a recognizable plot as well i think if, if yeah. you've seen any sort of mummy films it's it's quite in line with that yeah, it definitely lines up with what you'd expect from uh, from that kind of yeah kind of story. Generally, in mummy films, it is somebody 
it's a mummy who's protecting a person or artifact or something so it's it works quite well with that i think it's sort of it's not not disrespectful to that that genre and that which is good yeah definitely and there was something else i was going to say oh i i also not only is it a more cohesive plot but i i, I totally come to terms with the fact that this is a cartoon and it's silly and people yes. fly and splat and squish and everything else but there was a lot less of that in this episode than there yeah. was in the previous one they didn't go you know running with the elevator car with their feet sticking out the bottom of it sitting on a rocket <laughs> unexpectedly running out into midair and not falling and yeah all that kind of stuff it was uh it was a lot more um I wouldn't say realistic because you know it's not no, the, final, no. the final chase involved a speedboat chase with and the the villain came a cropper because he crashed while trying to avoid crashing. yeah yeah <clears throat> and the last we see of him he's trapped in the wreckage of his speedboat yeah so yeah it's uh it was good and again we we you know, the mummy is the monster but the evil guys in this one are notably just evil humans yeah they just you know they're, yeah, they're exactly after i think their motivation is just that he's a collector of treasure and things yeah it's uh yeah, it, was, it was good fun i i enjoyed that so so yeah i mean i quite enjoyed fang face as i said i've never seen it before so no so it was uh it was good fun it was good fun very recognizable tropes very recognizable style obviously yeah, yeah. scooby-doo and things like yeah. that i think that's that happened a lot around there scooby-doo was a runaway hit and so everyone thought ah oh, let's do the same thing but with slight variations yeah yeah exactly and yeah this is uh this is good i do very much worry about sherman fangsworth though I, I, yeah there's, there's... i can see him in a padded cell in a straitjacket in the years yeah yeah there's 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 a whole set of therapy isn't there he's going to be involved with yeah and his friends i mean they're just using him aren't they yeah <laughs> they're just using him i mean I'm, I'm amazed pugsy still hangs around given that he gets eaten every episode <laughs> maybe uh, maybe he likes that i don't know maybe i suppose i hadn't thought about that <laughs> maybe maybe he he secretly it's secretly his thing i don't know let's not think too hard about that shall no, we? no <laughs> exactly no i mean there's, there's there's no reason any of these people are actually together or hanging out together really no no, it's all very, all very odd. I mean, I mean, Biff and Kim are, are definitely described everywhere I looked as boyfriend and girlfriend. No. So they have a reason to be together. And interesting, if that's the case, that's that's quite um, forward thinking because they're they're clearly a sort of interracial couple, which is yes, is quite nice. Yeah, they are definitely. Um, but yeah, it's uh... ow, gosh. <laughs> We were so close to the end, Nala. Is that your own fang face now? <laughs> my own fang face just bit my ankle. <laughs> oh, Show yeah. her a picture of the sun. <laughs> Don't think that will help. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was that was interesting. I I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that. So yeah, like I said, I enjoyed it much more the second time. The first time around, I was like. Oh God, this is awful. Why, why, we're going to have to talk about this, and this is, this is, this is really bad. <laughs> but I, I, I did think that second episode was was better. Like, yeah, definitely. I think the second was the was the better of the two episodes. 
so yeah i i may well go and look for more if i have yeah. the time um and uh, i believe there was another series that you uh you mentioned possibly revisiting as well so yeah so i got so there was another series again another horror themed series there's two actually because i remembered another one um but there was something called the drac pack which was um uh based around i think again it was sort of um solving crimes but against a very specific uh, sort of enemy and they were all it was a, a group of teenagers who were all the teenagers of um sort of hollywood monsters so it was more of the same sort of thing but they're a bit different and there was another one called the groovy ghoulies show which which i also remember which i I remember nothing about (laughs) well perhaps we shall revisit those on a tradition of uh, robots in your eyes but until then i think all that remains is to say thank you for listening to robots in your eyes i've been jason thompson co-hosting this week with paul monk Someone will be back next week for some more awesome animated adventuring. But in the meantime, remember, who needs policemen when you have three teenagers and a werewolf handy? Good night. That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at Robots in Eyes, or you can email us at robotsineyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice.